What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome back to the Fiercely Altered Perspective. Also known as a fat pod. Hell I, of course, yeah. am Ember. I'm Quinn. And today is our last part of Snowtown. Oh my goodness. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yes. All right. Well, we're just going to jump kind of right into it to recap from the previous episodes. So far right now, we are right in the middle of the trial. We heard about Clinton Trezzy, the mm-hmm. boy found in the paddock in lower light right who was murdered by john in his house because he didn't like him because he was openly homosexual Mm -hmm. then we had ray davies who got in trouble because he supposedly molested two boys under 12 right and so john and robert took him out beat him up brought him back to the house had john's wife elizabeth help Mm -hmm. they strangled him threw him in the backyard in the hole and then suzanne allen supposedly died of natural causes Uh, right Mm mm-hmm But she was dismembered, and then they put her in the backyard with Ray Davies. Mm -hmm. And then Michael Gardner, which was the one kid who was babysitting and covered the mouth of the oldest boy. And then you had Barry Lane. Right. And then we also had Thomas, who was a staged suicide. Yes. Could not get that out for a second. (laughs) Had to slow it down. Right. Slow it down. So now that was the first six, and now we are going to go over the last six. So back into the courtroom. <laughs> yes, yes, back into court. So victim number seven would be Gavin Porter, James Valkus's friend whom he had met at a methadone clinic. Gavin was born in 1967 to Carol and Trevor in Victoria. His parents divorced when, and he was raised mostly by his grandmother. While he always suffered from depression, he was a talented tradesman. He worked in the Philippines for quite some time before coming back in 1992 and by 94 he had landed, a, or landed in South Australia and would move in with James Valkus and his family where they lived at 3 Birdkin. Mm-hmm. Okay, Birdkin Ave in Murray Bridge. Davin and James spent most of their time getting high and working on cars. The exact date of the murder we'll never know, but we do know it was sometime in April of 1998. James took his younger brothers Adrian and Christopher to the drive-in and when James returned, he was showed his friend and James knew what his role would be from that point forward. Correct. And if anybody has watched the movie Snowtown yet, you'll know this part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gavin had been sleeping in his car when Robert looped a rope around his neck and started to strangle him while John tried to get on top of him to keep him down. However, Gavin stabbed a screwdriver into John's hand, but that didn't slow him down. He mm-hmm. was hurt but determined John was able to lean on his chest and help Robert squeeze the life out of him. Gavin was killed for nothing more than a way to gain further control over James. And, well, since he was a junkie, it was easy to justify his killing. And then this one we don't really know about. I don't think there was any sort of torture. I don't think that there was any method. Yeah. They just did just a sneak did attack on him while he was sleeping. Chicken shits. Mm-hmm. And that was only so he could specifically show James to make James Come know by. where he's going to stand. Right. And what he needs to do. Right. Yeah. So with John having complete control over James, it was now going to be time that... James would have to help kill his brother Troy. And in the movie Snowtown, if you do watch it, this is probably the most 
I don't know, graphic Graphic. scene. Yeah. The biggest part of the movie, I would think. Yeah. And so we know that Troy was a victim of his upbringing as well, as we've learned over the last couple of episodes. Mm -hmm. However, he was also a druggie and John never really liked him. And since Troy went from being a victim to also being a perpetrator by raping his brother, he figured Troy's never going to grow up to be anything more than a druggie, pedophile, rock spider, whatever he wanted to call him at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's why he had to go. Sure. The crew waited until everybody else was out of the house. I believe John sent his wife, Elizabeth, and Adrian and Christopher into Adelaide for something. Go shopping, whatever. Sure. Uh, so Robert Wagner and John Bunting woke up James and they handed him a club and handcuffs and ordered him to follow them. Okay. So they went down the hall into the room where Troy was sleeping. And James kind of, he didn't ever fully get into the room during this time. Right. He just kind of stood there because he still wasn't really sure what was going on. But John and Robert started attacking Troy, mm-hmm. just beating the shit out of this guy. And so he's waking up and he's in a panic and he's like, why, why are you doing this? What's going on? And in that panic, he backs himself into a corner. Right. So then he gets, he has no escape. Mm-hmm. After he was put into a corner and they're beating him, James tries to actually leave again. Right. And he thought that his older brother was just going to get beat up. But once John and Robert dragged Troy into the bathroom, James knew he wouldn't make it out alive mm-hmm. because he's heard enough stories. Right. There, uh, Troy was forced to call Robert God and John by Lord Sir, and they were trying to come up with a name for Troy to call James. And at first it was going to be Moses, but John, being the racist Nazi lover that he was, said Moses is too Jewish. So they changed it to master. Okay. Mm-hmm. So as with the torture, they hit him in the testicles and they called him names and they crushed his toes with the pliers. Yeah. First at the joint, secondly at the toenails. <sighs> oh, ow. Oh, ow. Yeah. Uh, from there, he was forced to recite statements into a recording device stating for everybody to leave him alone. He was forced to repeat 20 plus sentences, different things to different people to kind of help hide up whatever they were going to do with him afterwards. Mm-hmm. And he was severely beaten each time he messed up or said it wrong or, you know, you could hear the pain. And James actually tried to leave again, but John grabs him and forces him into the bathroom and sits him down and makes Troy apologize to James for everything that he did. I mean, I'm not trying to play the devil's advocate here, but in a really fucked up sick sense of that, mm-hmm. I can actually admire John for, for making Troy do that. Right. Well, I can Which, get apologizing, but you don't need to no, plier his toes. No, I know no, what you're saying. Right, I know what you're saying. But, <laughs> you're not saying it. You're not like, yeah, I'm, I'm Team I'm, John. I yeah, know. No, no, I'm not trying to justify it anyway. No. But to to make him apologize for what he had done, mm-hmm. I mean, Have if, it, if it would have stopped there. Right. Yeah, it's still it's still abusive, but it's yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> eh. He's he's shaking his hands in the air like the scales. <laughs> eh. <laughs> so after that was done, after they apologized, did their thing, they took Troy's sock off of his foot and stuffed it into his mouth and wrapped his face and chin in duct tape. Mm-hmm. And then more torture <laughs> happens. All while everybody's favorite band live yes throwing copper (laughs) (laughs) you all right yes (laughs) i can't even think of another song right now 
Shit. I guarantee you they had that song on repeat, on blast. Because it's <sighs> the only song that was even kind of worth listening to on that album. <laughs> kind of. But not really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, quick side note, I'm sure that this thread will still be going on for another week or two. Oh, yeah. On our Facebook group in the Fap Lounge. <laughs> We have a thing posted by the wonderful Sonia talking about if you were to play music to torture somebody, right? what would you play? Right. It's great in there because we all started playing each other versus I would play this song. This is a good song for me to torture somebody else to. It became, I'm going to play this song because I know you hate it. <laughs> no, right. But and the ones that I threw in there, mm-hmm. like I can handle them. I have no problem with it. Oh, yeah. But if I was doing sick, twisted, sadistic, fucked up things, mm-hmm. um, um, I could have that playing in the background mm-hmm. because I know it would mess with people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, I was playing playing to the group, but I was also... Being legit still? Being pretty much legit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, so if I many- were to do it, I would probably find that person's favorite song and play it for them while I was doing it to completely ruin that song forever. Backwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's evil. Okay. Sorry. Uh, but if you want to go over to our Facebook page and play that, that's where you can do it. It's, it's been really fun. There's a bunch of comments and it's hilarious. Right. So while everybody's favorite band is playing, Robert actually went to strangle him, but he got his hand caught up in it. Troy was on his way out. Right. And he had to stop and let go. And so then a very beaten and half dead Troy looked up to everybody like what is going on Mm -hmm. and he's met with john just smiling back at him and saying i could do this all day all day and i guess john or troy gave a look that james says that he's never he doesn't really have words to describe it Mm -hmm. just kind of like a shocked and a wild look in his eyes and then robert takes him and actually strangles him this time and is successful all while john actually got up within inches of his face and just watched just face to face nose to those yeah yeah that that scene in that movie actually depicts it pretty well yeah and Mm it it's hard to watch it is it is because like i get it watching a movie you're watching actors blah 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 blah. but from the research and from what we just covered Mm -hmm. and with watching that movie Mm -hmm. if i walked in on a scene and i saw someone doing that Mm -hmm. bye right like uh, nope Mm -hmm. bye Mm -hmm. so after troy was murdered they they covered it up and uh, they told Elizabeth when she got back, oh, we got in this huge fight. He stormed out. He left. And Elizabeth never really asked any questions after that. Nobody did. Mm-hmm. They just kind of were like, okay. Oh, and to clarify, apparently like 74% of South Australian women are named Elizabeth, at least in the <laughs> 90s. Because <laughs> Jesus, there's a lot of Elizabeths in here. I know. And <laughs> they changed their names so many times. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that kind of was difficult while, re- while researching. Right. Is because they changed their name so many times, sometimes their other name would be spoken about. Right. So then you're like, wait a minute, which one did that name, which Elizabeth did that name belong to? Because now I'm very confused. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it was about the same time that John Bunting uh, becomes close friends with Mark Hayden again, and they move all the bodies that they've placed in the barrels to Mark's garage. Mm -hmm. Well, in typical fashion, John also starts having an affair with Mark's wife's sister, Gail. Mm -hmm. Pretty Mm -hmm. typical of him. Right. 
uh, Gail's son, Fred Brooks, would be the next victim. He was born on March 7th, 1981 to Gail and Fred Sr., but they split while he was a toddler. He was put into foster care and sent to his dad and then to his mom. His mom was not nice to him and Fred didn't like John at all. Despite constantly being treated like shit, he was hopeful and told his mom that he wanted to join the Air Force. Yeah, he was he was going to get out of there. Mm-hmm. He was going to go and do anything else. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, he disappeared on September 17th, 1989. Jesus, 1998. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> I do. God. And was reported missing a few days later. However, John and Mark said that they saw him uh, saw him off of his face, which means hi, mm-hmm. and he was with some woman and he was pissed off. A few days later, they said that someone called the house and Mark's wife, Elizabeth, answered the phone to hear Fred say that he was leaving for good and not to find him. So they canceled the missing report. Right. So. Yeah. I mean. that That's the end of that. So what really happened is that James was working on his car mm-hmm. and John came and told him, hey, we have some goodies for him over at the old house. And so goodies usually meant stolen goods if we, we as, as we have covered before. Wow. That was a big mouthful. <laughs> so James eagerly, eagerly followed. <laughs> Instead, inside the house was Fred and Robert, and they were doing this handcuff trick. Now, the handcuff trick is you put handcuffs on somebody else and they try to see if they can escape from it. Mm-hmm. This was also used by Dean Coral mm-hmm. back in his day when he would capture his victims. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and for those that don't know Dean Coral, he was the candy man. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of. And uh, great story. We'll definitely cover that one in oh, our yeah. future. But they were doing the handcuff trick and John and James play along and everybody took turns. So Fred didn't think that anything bad was going to happen. Well, then they decided, okay, well, you can get out of the handcuffs. Now let's kick it up a little bit. Let's do handcuffs and thumb cuffs. Right. And Fred, we dare you to go first. And as soon as they locked those handcuffs on Fred, Robert immediately started to choke him out Mm -hmm. and didn't stop until he started turning colors and started to pass out. And then John told him, wait, nope, nope, pause, pause going too quickly here. Right. And in fact, this all happened in the same room where Troy was first attacked. Mm-hmm. And then in classic form, Fred was dragged to the bathroom and they were screaming at him, calling a pedophile, even though everybody knew that he wasn't. Right. Uh, they stripped off. They stripped him out of his jeans and they cut off his shirt and then they beat him bloody. Mm-hmm. They actually lit cigarettes and shoved them up Fred's nose, like all the lit way. Lit end first. Yeah, lit end first. And then they also shoved another cigarette into his ear and then John would make sure to keep blowing on it so the embers would stay hot mm-hmm. and burn his ear. Mm-hmm. They made him do recordings just like the others, telling Gail he was going to Perth and that he would be back. Then one saying that she was using him and then a final one telling Telling her that, yeah, don't ever speak to me again. Mm-hmm. Leave me alone. Don't find me. Just I'm a ghost. I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Fred was forced to give bank details so they could steal all of his money as well. Robert Wagner crushed his toes with the pliers, and John hooked him up to the Variac machine, mm-hmm. which is an electrical apparatus used in electromagnetic or electroplating. So <laughs> this is fucked up. It is. Once plugged into the power, it would travel through the cables to two metal alligator clips. The dial allowed volts anywhere from 0 to 260. Yeah. Well, you ever look a 9-volt battery? Yeah, I don't like it. That's a 9-volt mm-hmm. battery. Mm-hmm. 260 volts? That's not going to feel very good. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. John calmly explained what the machine was 
was, and he clipped one to his penis, to uh, Fred's penis, yes, and one to his testicle. And just to try it out first, let's start it off at uh, 20 volts. Right. And he was super calm when he was explaining it, at least how James told the story. Mm-hmm. Is that he was almost explaining it like a doctor explaining, you know, I'm going to use this machine. This is what's going to happen. It's going to be fine. You know, just very, very calm, but very sadistic. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And John asked him if he had sexually molested a little girl, which was a made-up story by John. Mm-hmm. And each time Fred told the truth that he would never do anything like that, he would get shocked and the dial would move up further and further. Mm. Finally, after the torture was too much, Fred said that he did whatever John was accusing him of, hoping they would just let him go and it would be done. Quite the contrary. No, from there it just got worse. Mm-hmm. So Robert pulled out those old metal sparklers. You remember those from growing up? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And he shoved it down the eye of Fred's penis. So right down his pee hole. And then he would light it and let it burn all the way down. So you get all that coming back and it's burning him. Uh-huh. Not to mention the pain of just having that shoved in there. Uh-huh. Because, you know, it wasn't just like, here, let me get some lube and this, that, and the other. Oh, and... no, that was violent. It was just raw yeah. dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? After that one burned out, he would pull it out and put in another one. And all the same time, while John's still shocking him with the machine. Mm-hmm. And cigarettes are still being burned into him. Right. And live blasting in the background. <laughs> and Fred actually kept it together. He didn't scream really through any of this, at least according to James. Right. And, um, because his placenta on the floor. <laughs> Sorry. The angel opened her eyes. <laughs> That's going to get cut out. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. No. Uh huh. No. Uh huh. Okay. So, however, when he did start to scream, they shoved a sock. Amber into said his... she's gonna delete something out of this, and if she does, you're gonna have to call her out on it because it's not getting deleted. Just saying. You are a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So when Fred finally had too much and he did start to scream, they did their typical: we're gonna shove a sock into your mouth and we're gonna put duct tape around your face and under your chin. Mm-hmm. But they also took it a step further and they were injecting water like into his groin yeah yeah just why um it actually said that the abuse was so extensive that they were unsure how long he was made to suffer and they weren't able to determine his cause of death yeah mm-hmm. after he was dead they wrapped him up in the garbage bags and put him in the trunk of an old car and then called up mark and said hey when you can come tow him away and put him in a barrel in your backyard please right mark said all right so just a few weeks after the horrible murder of Fred, it would be time for the 29-year-old Gary O'Dwyer. His only mistake is that he looked like Troy Yude. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And uh, fair warning to everybody, this one is kind of hard to listen to. Yeah, this one gets bad. So. Like, not that the rest have been a candy walk, but. Right. Yeah, none of it's been good. But when you find out more about Gary. It's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gary was a foster child of Maureen and Dalmain. I think that's how you would say it. Okay. When he was 18 months old in 1970. No one else wanted the cute little boy because he was very, very small and he had epilepsy. Mm-hmm. However, Maureen and Dalman loved him and planned on formally adopting him. But when it fell through or that fell through when Dalman 
died suddenly in 1974. Maureen still raised him as if he was hers. He had one other foster brother and five foster sisters. They lived in the Adelaide Hills on a farm. However, as a teen, he became more isolated and nomadic. He would commit petty crimes and almost immediately tell on himself. Oh, yeah. Christmas of 1994, he was in a hit-and-run accident and left for dead on the, or on the side of the road. He wasn't found until the next morning and was in a coma for a few weeks while steel plates were put into his skull and he had a steel rod put into his left leg. Yeah, he shouldn't have survived through that hit-and-run. Gary would never, ever be the same after that. He had memory loss and permanent brain damage along with a limp. He ended up becoming a drinker and stole things in order to survive. Because of his brain damage, he was very, very overly trusting. Yeah, he he basically had the mentality of not necessarily a child, but kind of childlike in that sense. Mm -hmm. You know, he was still able to live on his own and function, and he drank to kind of help more with the pain than anything else, Mm -hmm. but way over-trusting. Like, you meet that kid and you're instantly best friends type of thing. Oh, yeah. Well, he would often give his keys to his new friends and later come home to find an empty house. Yeah. That's that kind of stuff. I hope the karma came back to all those people. Mm-hmm. On October 26, 1998, that was the last time he was ever heard of. His mother saw him walking down the road heading home and she ended up getting sick and spent some time in the hospital. When she realized it had been too long, she wanted to report him or, you know, make a report that he was missing, but didn't want to be a helicopter mom. Right. You know, always hovering around, making sure that he's okay, taken care of. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's an adult. Mm-hmm. He wants to be treated like an adult. But right. It's kind of, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So the night of the murder, James was supposed to go to a party, as we have spoke about before, but he was told to hold off because John and Robert needed a kill. So by this point, it was it was never it was never really their their mission statement or their wall of spiders. Really, that kind of gave them an excuse. Mm-hmm. But now they actually they needed to kill again. That thirst right. was there. So the plan was James would take Robert and John to introduce him to Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when they showed up, they started drinking mostly Gary and James, and they Gary and James drink a lot really fast. Right. But John and Robert stayed sober. Mm-hmm. So it was at one point when Gary stood up to show Robert something. Uh, Robert attacked Gary, but in the middle of doing that, Gary actually went into a fit, which freaked Robert out. Now, I'm not sure if when they said fit, if he went into like an epileptic thing or what exactly happened, but it was enough that it scared Robert. Mm-hmm. So he dropped him and Gary's Gary shaking and freaking out, but Gary was also super small in comparison. So taking control again was very easy for Robert. Mm-hmm. Robert slapped on the handcuffs and Gary just starts crying and he was shaking and he's asking, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. And they take him into the kitchen that had a mattress on it for some reason or a mattress in it. And they toss Gary onto the mattress and they start calling him a dirty faggot and anything else that they could, even though Gary, of course, was none of those things. Right. Gary was made to suffer. Mm-hmm. He was severely beaten each time he messed up on a speech or didn't answer their questions fast enough. However, 
how could he? Right. You know? Right. He had he's, permanent brain damage. Yeah, he's not firing on all cylinders. He's, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this fucking pisses me off so I know. Bad. So, quote, unquote, Lord, Sir, and God demanded James to go and fetch what they called the kit, which was the Variac machine, tape, sparker, sparklers, lighters, all the things that we talked about in the previous one. Mm-hmm. And it's safe to say that they probably had some sort of kit throughout most of the murders. Mm-hmm. But since most of the accounts all came from James and James didn't come in towards more of the back end. Right. That's why we find out all this now. Mm-hmm. John, or John explained what the very act machine was to Gary while Robert removed his pants and hooked him up. They asked him about his banking info, his family, and were shocked when he didn't answer right away. James made statements that he remembered seeing Gary almost convulsing and James said he had to leave to go to the party or the people would start looking for him. James then had to hit Gary five times before leaving. It just makes me <laughs> makes me so sad. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Mm-hmm. The next day, John Bunting and James show up with a moving van and boldly go and speak to Gary's neighbors, Kim and Stephen. The men told the couple that Gary moved to Sydney because he was beaten up and on the run. Gary sold them all of his furniture for 200 bucks and then offered Kim and Stephen to come and have a look at his belongings because whatever they didn't want, the couple could have. Kim reported smelling something awful while in the kitchen coming from the laundry area and we have reason to believe that John Bunting and Robert Wagner had hid Gary's body in the laundry room while allowing the neighbors to look around which dude that's like yeah come on in have a look see what you want you know I mean yeah what we don't take you can have and uh yeah just don't look at that pile of clothes over there too close that's fucking terrifying Mm -hmm. to think because what would have happened if they would have found it oh yeah if they would have found Gary oh no right there would have been two more bodies right well a couple of days later uh gary's body was placed into a barrel and put in mark hayden's garage with the rest of the victims mm-hmm. on november 21st 1998 john needed to kill again mm-hmm. this time it would be mark hayden's wife now we already know that john didn't really like her but we don't know why mark would be okay with his wife dying mm-hmm. and this is another elizabeth yes the other elizabeth <laughs> now it was said that mark's wife elizabeth called mark mean names oh shucks wee lamb mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but john would always say that she was fat she was a fat disgusting dirty bitch who knew too much right that's a quote that yeah that is a quote <laughs> so the night mark and gail went out of town which was a plan thought of by john way ahead john and robert handcuff elizabeth hayden and most likely continued the same rituals as the others james wasn't there so we don't know right she had a sock stuffed into her mouth duct tape around her head rope around her neck and she died of of asphyxiation after her murder she was put in the garage with the rest of the bodies mm-hmm. so that's kind of all we know really about the process because robert and john never talked about it well the story of her running away with the secret her secret lover was half true she had done that in the past when she left her ex-husband ian her sister gail didn't really think anything of it and believed him besides clinton who was the first left at the paddock in lower light and thomas who they staged as a suicide his other victims were either in a hole at 203 waterloo ray davies and suzanne allen Mm -hmm. or in the five barrels the barrels contained michael gardner barry lane gavin porter troy ude fred brooks gary o'dwyer and elizabeth hayden the issue is when elizabeth was reported missing john got mad and he panicked the night elizabeth's brother was reported john and robert loaded the barrels up into an old toyota land cruiser and made gail keep watch for the cops it took from midnight to 3 a.m. to get the barrels and blankets all loaded up. 
They then towed the car to Hoylton near Snowtown to another friend's house who they said could store the car there. They had no idea what's inside. So the friends that they took it to was Simon and Kathy. The smell bothered Kathy a bunch, so she asked about it. And John and Robert quickly had a story for that too, like they did with everything. Mm -hmm. Apparently they were in the business of killing kangaroos and using the meat for dog food. But since they shot the ruse and with a unregistered gun, they placed the carcasses into the barrels because the police will find that they were shot and then they'll go to jail and whatever. Right. So while this story worked, Kathy was always calling the two to complain about the smells, mm-hmm. which I don't blame her <laughs> at all. In January of 1999, S- Simon, Kathy, and their children end up moving into Snowtown. So John and Robert come out and they help them move and they also move that Toyota Land Cruiser to their new driveway. Mm-hmm. However, if the wind changed just right, that smell would move right in to the house. Right. Filling the house with decay smell. Right. <laughs> Only four of the barrels were in the Toyota, actually. The fifth one was behind James's house in Murray Bridge, and I'm not sure which one was left back there, but... Right. By late January, John Bunting found out about the old bank in Snowtown that was up for lease. He made a phone call to Andrew and Rosemary Michael about leasing it to John Bunting and Mark Hayden. And Mark actually signed it as Mark Lawrence, which was his given name. Mm-hmm. They lease it out for $60 a week. Michaels told the men that the small manager's house off to the side of the building was being rented to a tiny old lady. Apparently, this old lady had used the bank for a small amount of time as like a gift shop flower place. Sure. But when that didn't work out, she just stayed renting the little old house. Mm-hmm. All the reports said that all the, or that the men paid their rent on time and were pretty quiet. Nothing suspicious, nothing alarming. Nothing Nobody had any attention. problems. Right. Mm-hmm. They, for a lack of a better phrase, were perfect tenants. Mm-hmm. Simon was allowed to check on the bank and he used the main lobby of the store, or of the bank, to store some of his computer equipment. He recalls the smell was starting to come from the vault and into the lobby. So the men put that tarp up that was we talked about earlier on in yeah the very yeah, first like episode the very very beginning of this yeah mm-hmm. and uh, he also remembers the men would joke about the ruse not being too happy meaning smelling badly mm-hmm. uh, Ew, which is just <clears throat> right we know what's in the barrels <laughs> right. it is not a fucking kangaroo right James became aware of the bank in April of 1999 so he was trustworthy enough to be forced to help in the murders but not as to where the bodies were? Right. Hmm. Makes you wonder what was going on. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That was until the men decided that they needed to kill again. Keep in mind, they were under investigation at this point. Wiretaps, surveillance, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. However, the men felt that enough time had passed since Elizabeth Hayden that they could be themselves again. James went with Mark one day to go and pay the rent, and then the next week he was told to go pack a change of clothes, buckets, hoses, and premix for the cement. He was convinced that he was next. Yes. Yeah, because he finally found out where all the bodies were, um, but he thought for sure that his time was now Mm -hmm, done. mm -hmm. However, instead of murdering James, they just decided to cut up the bodies more. And the plan was is that they were going to put cement in it and then go and dump the barrels into the ocean. So Mark and James actually had difficulty with cutting up the 
body, they couldn't they couldn't really do it. Right. So they actually went outside and they had a smoke break and they kind of talked about how they weren't really super into all that. Mm-hmm. So we know really we've always known who really enjoyed it. <laughs> right. And who was in the lead right. or in charge. So James recalled that when they started to cut up Troy, uh, John cut off his balls, cut off Troy's balls. And then in the middle of that, went into a blind rage mm-hmm. and stabbed Troy's remains over and over and over and over again. Right. And after that, they went to Kathy and Simon's house to go shower and head on back home. Right. Which those are some good friends. I'll just say that because I would not be happy if any of our friends came over smelling like, like- decay. Yeah, I'm being like, hey, can I use your shower? No. no you stink it on my house. <laughs> right. Well, unfortunately, with the lack of police resources, even knowing John Bunting and Robert Wagner were connected and they needed to be watched, they couldn't watch them all the time. From February 25th to May 20th, they were only watched 25 of those days. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, for not the full day. One day of not watching would prove fatal for their 12th and final victim. Right. So, David Johnson would be murdered on May 9th. 9th, 1999 on Mother's Day. If you remember, James' mother Elizabeth was with the man named Marcus for a time before John came into the picture. Mm-hmm. But with her depression, Marcus left, but Troy and James still kept in touch with him. Right. Well, David was one of Marcus's twin boys, as we know. So David's mother Carolyn had remarried and they moved to Victoria and Marcus had lost touch with, ch- with his children until one day when David was a teen, a young teen, him and his mom just show up at Marcus's work in 1990, stating that David wanted to try to live with him. So Marcus was actually with Elizabeth at the time so he had to ask her. And Elizabeth would say how they already had four kids so if he wants to say uh, Carolyn will need to give them furniture and money. Mm -hmm. So really Elizabeth wasn't the nicest person. Right. Well, true to form Mm -hmm. David was a stranger in his new house and he didn't get along with his stepbrothers and he didn't like John. While Marcus and Elizabeth were still married, John was already in the picture and John was physically abusive to everyone. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. David left the house and he moved in with his girlfriend until Marcus split with Elizabeth. And then he moved back in with his dad. They built a relationship with Troy and James and the boys would come and stay for days sometimes with Marcus and David. Mm-hmm. However, David's mother wanted him to come home. She always feared he was going to get murdered. Okay. Well, she would have nightmares about it and perhaps it was a worried mother and hearing about this fellow John and his abusive behavior that made her uneasy something. Mm-hmm. Well, then it was made much worse in 1998 in December when David told his mother how James told him that John had killed people before and Troy was missing and he wasn't sure if any of it was true because James was off of his face most of the time. Right. Again, high on drugs. Right. Which is understandable. Mm-hmm. So in February of 1999, Carolyn and her husband came to visit and they actually begged David to move home. But he was already planning on moving in with his serious girlfriend, Linda, and he promised to never be alone with John. Mm-hmm. What knew, what no one knew except John is that David was going to be murdered when the time was right. Mm-hmm. So the plan was set. James was to call David and tell him that he knows a guy in Snowtown selling a computer for $200. And it was a super nice one. Great steal. On May 9th, they set out for Snowtown to meet, to meet this quote unquote fellow and buy a computer at this old bank. And that's where John and Robert were waiting. Mm-hmm. And the police records show two intercepted calls between between James and and it was either James and Robert or James and John that day. Mm-hmm. But it was in enough code 
that police either didn't pick up on it or they didn't listen something right and david was never seen again mm-hmm. when james and david arrive at the bank it was around 8 p.m and inside was a computer sitting out next to john bunting but nobody saw robert hiding in the shadows right and you can imagine i would bet that the second david saw john he was probably like oh shit, shit. right well once in the perfect position robert came from behind and had him by the throat while john slapped handcuffs on him and let him what would or let him into what would have been the manager's office mm-hmm. so little side note mm-hmm. if you've watched the movie snowtown mm-hmm. you'll know you'll know this scene right yep this one as well mm-hmm. they sat him down and told him that he'd be there or that he would be free in 30 minutes as soon as they get the information that they needed david was shaking and when robert and john went to get their supplies he turned and asked james if he was really going home james lied and told him yeah yeah you're gonna yeah, go home you're, dude you're going home i mean i promise you mm-hmm. i promise you're going home you got nothing to worry about we're just having a little fun so by now we know the routine pretty well they demand the victim to hand over the wallet and his pin number but instead of doing voice recording john wanted to try out using a computer this time he was told to say a series of numbers names of people he knew words sentences and phrases these recordings went on for about an hour and as we know in between all of these he's being tortured the whole time mm-hmm. after that is when the full ritual started john needs to be called lord sir robert needs to be called god everybody's favorite album was playing and they laid out black plastic mm-hmm. so david was forced to lie down while his shirt was cut off his jeans were removed his socks were shoved into his mouth and duct tape around his head james watched as john and robert did their dance of torture basically mm-hmm. uh, robert tucked david's head in between robert's legs so he could punch him in the back while john and james grab each leg and john punched david in the balls mm-hmm. suddenly just out of nowhere it stops mm-hmm just pause time out time out just kidding time out and john tells robert and james to go make sure that the pin works so robert hauling ass to the store about 100 miles an hour or 160 kilometers an hour Mm -hmm. uh, goes to the nearest gas station and excuse me that was in port wakefield and the pin worked but there wasn't any money in the account robert calls john and john says yeah hurry back dude Cool. get your ass back here Mm -hmm. when they return they would find a wounded john and a dead david a belt wrapped around his neck and he was face down however david fought for his life and left john with some serious wounds thank goodness mm-hmm. while john wasn't paying attention david was able to get get his hands free and around to the front of his body he kicked john so hard he cracked some of his ribs Ugh. from there he grabbed a knife and david was much bigger than john and john knew it john was smart though and called out to robert even though robert wasn't there mm-hmm. that split second of panic washed over david's face and he looked to see if robert was really there and that was all the time that john needed he was able to attack him get the belt around david's neck even with john's thumb in the way he pulled it tight killing david and completely crushing his thumb right so that was an intense that was a battle i almost wish that i don't almost i wish that david would have came out on top mm-hmm. and they would have come home they would have come back to a dead john and probably no david right but so mm-hmm. some useless quinn advice if you ever find yourself in a situation like this mm-hmm. and you're one on one with somebody and that somebody calls a different name Keep don't going. worry about it just go right just go mm-hmm. so john told robert that or told robert and james hey since uh i'm all fucked up you're gonna need to cut him up i'm all thumbs here man <laughs> i'm all thumbs today <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness 
So the men suited up in white coveralls and they put David's body into the barrel head first. And Robert started to hack away at his foot and James noticed that all of David would fit in the barrel without any problem. So we don't need to keep cutting him up. Mm -hmm. And it was at the same time, while Robert and James are covered in blood, John pops his little head in through the plastic and was like, hey guys, we have a visitor. Mm -hmm." Um, And it was Simon because John had invited him over. John left a note on Simon's door saying that they needed help with a computer. Mm -hmm. So Simon came over and he looked at the computer program John wanted to run. I'm assuming it had to do something with all the recordings. Right. And as they're doing that, Robert and James came out and Simon recalls James smiling at him and asking him if he wants a hug. Right. So now you're kind of seeing this other side of James. Mm -hmm. Too. He's not the little innocent boy that he's claiming to be. No. No. And James is like, oh yeah, we just killed a Rue and we're cutting it up. But Robert on the other hand just kind of stared Simon down. Almost as look or almost staring at him like what all have you seen? Right. Which that look would probably be terrifying Mm -hmm. being Simon. Well shortly after that incident Simon left and said hey if you guys need a shower when you're done you know where to find us. Yeah. So the men finished cleaning up and a little unknown fact or whatever is that Robert saved some of the flesh off of David. He cut off a chunk for John as a surprise. Mm -hmm. Now it's speculation that after James got out of the shower the guys were frying up the flesh and eating it. In fact they had done that before with other victims according to the men. Mm -hmm. So we get to throw in a little bit of cannibalism as well into this story as if it couldn't get any crazier right well when asked about david james would say that he got a 13 year old girl pregnant and he also had crashed his car so he was wanting to hide from the police james showed up to marcus's flat to get some clothes and documents so david could claim unemployment this is er, this is what he had told marcus davis's dad Mm -hmm. david's dad jesus Um, it's fine (laughs) Uh, the lies go deeper when james tells or starts to tell other people that he had multiple girlfriends linda we know or yeah linda we know about amanda we don't know about and jenny the imaginary 13 year old he got pregnant right so we do in david's death we do uncover that he did have two girlfriends Mm -hmm. um there was also a recording that was played for tony which was amanda's best friend and it was basically david calling and calling tony a fucking liar and asking for amanda for reasons we don't know both tony and amanda were shocked to hear about david having another girlfriend now david's main girlfriend linda was completely shocked when james told her he said i had no idea you and david were still together david told me you guys broke up like three or four years before and he got this 13 year old pregnant and they they left Mm -hmm. linda was furious by this point because they were just planning on moving in together right so from there after after james talks to linda he calls john and he's saying hey linda wants to talk to david what are we gonna do and they stayed on the phone for a little while and they were trying to piece together voices, the voice clips that they made David do. However, when you're just recording random words onto the computer, it's kind of hard. It sounds very mechanical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after that, John's like, you know what? I have a better idea. Give, give Linda this phone number. And he gave James a specific phone number because John had a burner phone. Right. And he's like, tell her to go ahead and call this phone number and she can talk to 
David. Right. So when Linda calls, however, John gave the burner phone to his girlfriend, Gail, Mm -hmm. who he had just got done finishing killing his or her sister and her son. Right. But she didn't know and said, hey, will you pretend to be somebody's girlfriend for me? Just kind of like call out for whoever's asked and just say that he's not home right now and a call back later. Yeah. That's what happened. And so later, Linda decided to call again to leave a voicemail to try to get a hold of David after she got off the phone with Gail and she's like, whatever. All right. I'll call back later. And she never heard back. And then she called again seven days later. But by this point, everything was breaking out on the news about bodies being recovered from the barrels. Now we finally know about all 12 murders and how they happened. These testimonies alone are enough. However, there was also countless evidence, including DNA that would tie these men to their crimes, the six barrels in the old bank housing the remains of Michael Gardner, Barry Lane, Gavin Porter, Travis Troy Ude, Fred Brooks, Gary O'Dwyer, Elizabeth Hayden, and finally David Johnson. 203 Waterloo Corner Road with Suzanne Allen and Ray Davies buried in the backyard and the staged suicide of Thomas Trevelin and Clinton Trezzy left in the paddock in lower light. Right. And DNA evidence of David Johnson was recovered from the bank. They also had DNA of James, John, Robert, and even Mark were all found on gloves or other items that were tossed inside the barrels. Uh, Fingerprints of all the men were all over the bank, of course, and they found the forced recordings made by these victims in an effort to ward off concerned family members or police. They were methodical with a thirst for blood and power. Police also found a storage unit called You Store It that was rented in John's name. Inside, it was filled with all the property from the victims. There's countless eyewitness and video of these men as they were posing as their victims to get money. All of this evidence, including key cards, was provided by James, which is why he was the fundamental part Mm -hmm. of this whole story. According to reports, uh, the crew of the four had received nearly $95,000 from the death of their victims, not including all the other stuff that they still hadn't sold. Right. Their hate for homosexuals and pedophiles still ran deep even during the trial. They actually found this poem by Mr. Robert Wagner, I'm guessing in his cell? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So he uses an acronym in this poem, and I'm going to start off with telling you what the acronym is. Mm-hmm. It starts off, I am a CFS man. CFS stands for Country Fire Service Volunteer. I am a CFS man. My uniform swank, and I've never been to a Snowtown bank. Yet bodies in the barrels, hey, I wonder who's there. Pedophiles, I am told, so who really cares? See so many people are murdered each year, yet just how many answers can you find around here? Plus, everyone's listening to the media hype. A psychotic killer. Hey, do I look the type? Now in the months to come, it's my judgment day and you can be sure I'll have my say. And I will never ever be held in contempt for everyone knows my time was well spent. So you know I only provide a service that's needed for just like the gardens our streets should be weeded. So fuck off Judge Chester in your silly white wig. I only make the streets safe for all of our kids. Now can anyone say what's really what? For I could be innocent, then again, maybe not. So 
fuck all the media and fuck the police, for I know where you live just in case I'm released. Now my poem must end with thought of my life. Where did this start? What caused all my strife? And if my life reads like a Stephen King thriller, you know I'm not a bad guy for a serial killer. That was written August 28th, 2000 and signed RJ. That guy's so full of himself. <laughs> what a chode. <laughs> yeah. So the trial would actually take 140 days just to go over supporting evidence. And James's testimony alone spanned over 32 days. Now it was time for defense to have a stand. Mm-hmm. And it only took 80 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and they only had three witnesses for defense of John and Robert. And then jury was sent to consider the verdict. And the judge actually told the jurors not to find Robert guilty of Clinton's death due to lack of evidence. Okay. And so we all know that if there was 140 days and 32 days to just go over what he had to say, there's so much of this story that people still have no idea. Don't know about. Mm -hmm. Which just, I want to know all of it now. (laughs) Now I'm invested. Right. (laughs) It took the jurors seven days and finally ended on September 8th, 2003. One count of murder, that of Suzanne Allen, was unable to reach a verdict. The men claimed that she was already dead and there wasn't any way to tell a cause of death. However, the men were found guilty on all other charges. They were sentenced to life in prison and they would need to report back to see if there should be a non-parole period. So the following month at the hearing, John says nothing but Robert offers up his own words. Of course he does. Well, yeah. This is a quote. Pedophiles do terrible things to children and innocent children have been damaged for life. The authorities do nothing about it. I don't know why. I was certainly angry. Someone should have should have to do something about it. I decided to take action and I took action. Thank you. But Okay. <laughs> now, Mr. Robert, do we need to go back over the last 12 murders and talk about how many of them were violent people? Or actually pedophiles. Right. I know that you're too stupid to understand the difference right. between a homosexual and a pedophile. And let's take it a step further. What about both the women? Mm. They weren't either of those. Uh-huh. So what's your excuse with that one, dumbass? Right. Oh, I hate him so much. <laughs> Further acts of defiance came from John, who sat there and was reading a book the whole time. Like, he couldn't even be bothered to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is going to piss off Martin as he was trying to complete the sentencing process. Right. And so he's kind of like, you know what? Neither of you get a non-parole period. You're going to be in here forever. Rest of your life. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That kind of ties back to the, uh, if you get pulled over for speeding, right. be nice, be polite, be calm, right. try to have fun with the police officer because maybe if you catch him on a bad day and you're being nice and polite and you know you screwed the pooch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he might look at you and be like oh man this guy's being too cool right I'm i'll let you go a with a warning I- i'm gonna cut him a break mm-hmm. but then again he might just be like not today not today i'm gonna write you three tickets <laughs> right, i'm gonna hang this in your ass <laughs> right in your ass Boop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you if you're fighting for your freedom mm-hmm. you for lack of a better phrase show up looking like an altar boy just right just all super that is nice. perfect <laughs> yeah and i i just think that he he didn't care which makes me want to strangle him a little bit right like you already know you fucked up can you at least pay attention <laughs> shove that book right up your asshole like, right. oh. i hope it's a good read because you're going to be reading it a lot i would have shoved the gavel <laughs> <laughs> hammer end first uh-huh uh-huh here's your sentencing bitch Boop. Oh. <laughs> Boop. slam slam <laughs> anyway <laughs> 
So justice was served for each victim except for Suzanne Allen. However, prosecution vowed to try the men again for her murder at a later date. August 4th, 2004, the trial for Mark Hayden would start. Wendy Abraham again would be the lead prosecution to convict him for the murder of Troy Ude and his wife Elizabeth Harvey, along with assisting in six more. His name was on the lease for the bank. The bodies were stored at his home. He was involved with the wife or with his wife's death, and he knew about his nephew's murder. He helped tow evidence, and well, you know, he may not have always played an active role, but he was a trusted member. You don't gain that kind of trust just by being a good guy. No. And the rest of the case would be up to James Valkus for his testimonies. Mark helped cut up Troy, helped move his body. Mark's DNA was in the barrels. There was no denying his involvement. Defense decided to gamble and put Mark on the stand, and he denied any involvement. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. Saying that he didn't know what was really going on. However, the most damaging statement happened when he was on the stand under oath and admitted to storing barrels and helping them move them to Snowtown. Mm-hmm. Whoopsie. Um, Shouldn't have put him him on the stand that was a dumb move <laughs> that was a dumb move whoops mm-hmm. because cross-examination was brutal uh wendy went straight for the jugular on him mm-hmm. he was just like she's like oh we lamb i'm gonna eat you <laughs> <laughs> and she was hammering at him with all the questions and it would make mark stammer or you're a poet what you're a poet Oh, am I a poet? You are a poet. I didn't know it. She was hammering him and making Mark stammer. (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, we've all been there. (laughs) Oh, God. Anyways. Okay. So he would either stammer or take a really long time to finish a sentence, which of course makes him look guilty as fuck. Mm-hmm. So by Wednesday, April 15th, 2004, the jury was April allowed... April 15th? Are you sure? Nope. Sure not. <laughs> December 15th, 2004, the jury was allowed to enter deliberations. How the hell did I get that out of December? I have no idea, but a mere eight months difference. It's okay. Skills. I have them. <laughs> okay. So three days later, they come back and they found him guilty for assisting with five of the murders. They were unsure on the six and they were undecided for any of the murders. Hmm. They were given a few more days, but on Sunday, December 19th, they uh, they said a decision would never be made. So he was only convicted for assisting with five of the murders. So he may not be a killer, but he was still a criminal and prosecution said that they would come back for murder again, but for now he would at least be going away for a long time. John Bunting was sentenced to 11 consecutive life sentences without parole. Robert Wagner was convicted of 10 consecutive life sentences without parole. James Valkus, four consecutive life sentences with parole after 26 years. Mark Hayden was sentenced to 25 years with parole after 18. Mm -hmm. No retrial was ever made for Mark Hayden. He'll be eligible for parole in 2022. They set a date for a retrial for the death of Suzanne Allen, but it was dropped on May 7th, 2007. Justice for her murder will never be served. Right. Which is sad, but you know, at the end of the day, everybody knows what happened. I mm-hmm. think it's pretty, I mean, you could you could make an assumption and it's pretty solid. Yeah. You know, it may not say it on paperwork, but at least the two of them are gone forever. Mm-hmm. So, John Bunting is actually serving his time in the E Division at Yalta Prison, Maximum Security in Adelaide. I asked, and it was, I believe it was Yalta. Okay. You, you cut out the extra letter there. Seems to be a reoccurring nightmare. Mm -hmm. We're gonna throw all these extra letters in here, but... They're invisible. It's Bob. (laughs) (laughs) 
so John actually, he doesn't have any cellmates, but he does get some nice things. Like he has a TV, a kettle, a toothbrush, and a razor. He also thrives on being Australia's worst serial killer. Guess that makes up for his height. <laughs> he, me bastard. Right? He once attacked an inmate when the guy belittled him, and rumor is he carries around a pen dipped in his own shit and threatens to stab people with it because the infection would ensure a slow and painful death. Someone uh, needs to stab him with the shit pen. Right? Like, for reals. You, John Bunting, and I will say this, and I would even say this to your face <laughs> through glass because you'll never be free, mm-hmm. and I am. <laughs> that you're a bitch. Right? You're a punk bitch. And you are exactly where you deserve to be. Uh-huh. And I... Yeah. Yeah. I hope that the soap's slippery. So slippery. Forever <laughs> stuck to the ground. <laughs> yeah. bag. Anyways, he also talks about how he's going to escape, and he also likes to brag about his kills, which um, technically, yes, he, he is a monster, and he is a piece of shit, and he is manipulative stuff, but at the end of the day, Robert killed more of them. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, sometimes they get to see each other because he is held in the same pre- prison, just in the B division. Now, Robert's kind of known as like a thick head that just serves meals and collects laundry, but he also likes to brag about what he did. Mm. And he has made himself some other quote unquote killer friends. (laughs) 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 Boo. Don't don't you mock my puns. (laughs) My puns are awesome. (laughs) They are quality. (laughs) I hate you. Mark is also held in the B division, but he is pretty quiet. James Valkus is unknown. Court order forbid media from publishing anything about him and his pictures were all blurred for all media. Mm-hmm. Hmm. In fact, including in the book that we'll talk about here in a little bit, there were pictures in that book and all of his, his photos were blurred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was given a new identity and transferred to another prison is uh, the rumor. Mm-hmm. What we're told. Mm-hmm. That's what we're told. However, some rumors state that after his or after all of his trials, James killed himself in his cell. To go with that, now if you look up James Valkus online in Australia, you can see the pictures of him that are not blurred. Mm-hmm. So was he given a new identity, or did he kill himself, or what's the story? Because if he had a media blockade, mm-hmm. it should be like in my little peanut brain. Mm-hmm. If he is blocked for all media, there should never, not ever, never, ever be a picture of him that you can see media related. Right. Even if they did give him a new identity. Mm-hmm. If not, did they pull some like super duper total recall face off style fucking. Right. This looks close enough. Yeah. You you were James Valkus. Now you're Thomas Clark. Mm-hmm. And you look like a 74 year old mm-hmm. but you're in your 20s. So ta-da. Uh, ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> and what's what's crap is we we don't know. Mm-hmm. So and I mean what if the, the rumor of him killing himself in a cell was also part of the way to help completely get rid of his old identity. Right. Mysteries. But we also know that James suffered greatly from depression and even when he first went to police, mm-hmm. he tried to kill himself twice. Right. So it's one of those, hmm, mm-hmm. you can sit and speculate all day long. Oh yeah. So in May of 2017, at least for us, I found articles of Mark Hayden applying for early parole, but then I didn't have 
not hear anything since. However, since we have awesome people mm-hmm. uh, in Australia, I had our friend Sam help us, and she had found that on November 9th of 2017, the advertiser reported that he was denied parole, but he may end up being released mid this year. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. People tried to keep the details of this case away from the public for a long time. It wasn't until 2011 when producers of the movie Snowtown asked for more information to make a movie. Over 250 suppression orders that were put into place had to be lifted by a judge in order to release the information. If it wasn't for the judge, we wouldn't have any idea mm-hmm. about the information that we were able to find. Right, exactly. We would just have that tiny little blurb. Mm-hmm. And and some of the suppressions, I mean, some of them probably have very, very valid reason. Oh yeah, some of them were very legit. Right, but then others were like, um, you can't release the name Ray Davies. Yeah, they couldn't release his, his name. Okay. Which I wasn't exactly sure why. Right, and um, the color of the barrels? Yeah, the color of the barrels, the color of the ropes, the tape. What's the importance of that? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Mm-hmm. For a time after the murders, Snowtown thought about changing its name or its name to Rosetown, but they never did. I guess people of Snowtown do have fun with it, though. Sometimes people will show up and they will take pictures in front of the wrong building, and then the locals will make fun of them. <laughs> so perfect. But in 2012, there was a little shop owned by an elderly woman named Rosemary Joseph. She was 78 at the time and full of dark humor. She is like my goal when I am older. Her shop was called Snowtown Craft and Curios and she hand painted these cute little barrels that had a head and an arm sticking out of it and underneath it said Snowtown on it. And then she also made these magnets of someone in a barrel and it would read, I've been to Snowtown. Or the other one said, welcome to Snowtown. We're a barrel of fun <laughs> and i have those pictures and i'll put it on our sites mm-hmm. but they are they are great and i was talking with our other friend sonia about it and she tried to find me one of those barrels yes but sadly rosemary sold her shop and she handcrafted everything so what she made there was it They're and she has since the sands of time yeah and she has since passed so mm-hmm. dang it so the suppression orders were lifted in 2011 most of the information is pretty new considering right and we got all of our stuff from a documentary on youtube which Mm -hmm. i will put in the link for that there was countless web pages and most importantly a book by jeremy putney called snowtown the bodies in the barrels murders and jeremy is actually in that documentary as well yep Mm -hmm. yep so hey you guys want to know a fun fact i do you do always okay the house in which the killers tortured and murdered their victims then stored dismembered body parts in the backyard at 3 Birdkin Avenue in Murray Bridge. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sold in September of 2017 for 110000 Australian dollars. And, oh, fun. Uh, huh? I said, oh, fun. Yeah, yeah. And is currently listed for rent at $210 a week. If uh, anybody's looking for a place in Adelaide area, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you're in Murray Bridge area and you need a place to rent and you want to... St- 
your own tie into Snowtown, hey, Ta-da. maybe maybe go rent that. You might be able to talk to some neighbors and get some more information. And then you can report back to us. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Another fun fact is Wendy Abraham is uh, is a QC, which is called a Queen's Council. Mm-hmm. And it's a very high-ranking barrister traditionally appointed by the Queen. Mm-hmm. In Australia... And really quick, just to run over it so people don't get confused, Wendy Abraham was the Supreme Court prosecutor. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Not everybody's in my head. Sorry. I forget. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, QCs, or they're called SCs today for senior counsels, they're appointed by a committee. I guess you wouldn't find a bigger legal heavy hitter than Wendy, basically. It's like our version of the Attorney General. Yeah. So they were kind of fucked. Well, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they walked into the lion's den and yeah. they didn't have a stone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And huge thanks uh, to everybody that helped us out with this episode as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, we definitely couldn't have done it without all of our Australian friends because mm-hmm. over the past few months, there's been random messages like, hey, what's this? How do you say this? Where is this at? Right. What the hell is a tilt truck? Yeah. Explain. <laughs> explain it to your dumb American friends. <laughs> so sure. we super appreciate it that brings us to the end of snowtown for now for now because now we need everybody to definitely go over to our facebook group page mm-hmm. on the fat lounge because we want all of your perspectives and then next week we'll t- kind of talk about it a little bit more sure so yeah i'm i'm sad and i'm glad that this case is over right right it's it's a good size case um I personally mm-hmm. don't want to stop looking into it. Oh, I don't either. Like, If anybody ever has more information, I don't care if they're just rumors. Tell me about them. Right. I need to know about it. So, there's Snowtown. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us about some of your people that you want to talk about as we finish up this. Perfect. So, for any of our somewhat local folk, mm-hmm. uh, if you're into comics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you are into aspiring creators, yes, especially a young woman. Yes. That happens to be the daughter of a very, very good friend of mine. She is coming out with a comic book series, and it is called Sugar Glider mm-hmm. on May 12th in Salt Lake. And we will find out more information and have it posted up for the somewhat local folk. And, you know, if you... Anybody else? Yeah, if you guys are interested, look them up. Look them up. It is absolutely amazing. Um, they, they're they on to big things. They're on to really big things. They, they have already got a deal worked out with ex-ambassadors mm-hmm. and ex-ambassadors is part of their comic book <laughs> right it's just really cool to see somebody's dream coming true especially oh. since she's so young oh absolutely so we definitely want to try to help that as much as we can you know we'll, absolutely we'll talk about it all day long because we think that it's awesome mm-hmm. if for nothing more than you know that's that's a cool accomplishment to be able to say that hey <laughs> you know yeah, i published my first works at 12 what what what's up <laughs> right i love it so sugar glider um links will be in the description of that as well yes um real quick if anybody is on instagram you should go and follow left lung black uh it, it she also has a etsy page mm-hmm. and i can link that in there but i found her randomly and she does portraits just black and white drawings of different serial killers and she just barely came out with her on our Etsy shop Ed Kemper shirts mm-hmm. and on the back it says Bumblebutt which is the greatest thing 
ever. I need one of those shirts. But her her artwork is beautiful. Uh, definitely go follow her. Buy some of her art. She's out of London, Perfect. I believe. If I'm wrong, I am sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Archaeology isn't my top subject. <laughs> That was on purpose. Don't Jesus. look at me like that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Come on. Uh, hey. I know I've said some doozies before, but really. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh good lord so on a different note from that this goes out to all you guys because i'm looking across the table and i don't see a beard on you and i shaved this morning it's fine that's good that's good and unfortunately you're looking across the table and you don't see a beard on me i don't see a beard on you either but i do have a killer fucking mustache you do have a good mustache and thanks to can you you get to curl your mustache right. in all sorts of styles right personalities yes yes mm -hmm. and it's fun because depending on the day it depends on what style i want to go with mm -hmm. um but to go with that so you've got can you handlebar that has all kinds of mustache needs and equipment and they also have beard care stuff mm -hmm. um they have great wax right their wax is phenomenal it works wonderful um matter of fact i'm still rocking my handlebars from yesterday and i got a six hour nap today so yeah yeah. They're, they're a little squampus. They're a little askew. <laughs> hey, it's but fine. they're still there. Um, but I personally use two different companies. Um, for your beard care needs, I... I use badass beard care. Uh, I had to shave because of work purposes. Mm -hmm. Sad day. It is a sad day. However, my beard will be back. Yes, and, it will. And, you know, it is what it is. But I highly recommend badass beard care. Mm -hmm. I do, I do, I do. Great product, products. Smell nice. Mm -hmm. I've tried a few other places. I've tried other companies. And I keep going back to badass beard care. I Their customer service, you cannot beat. Mm -hmm. It's physically impossible to beat badass beard cares customer service unless you just give shit out for free right <laughs> and uh great company very very fair on their prices they have uh they have their regular store, but then they also have a club store. And the club store, uh, if you sign up for it, you can get reoccurring orders. You can set it up if you want it for once a week, once a month, once every six months. So just whenever. Yeah, whatever. Which is nice because mm -hmm. some people you have to do a month to month right. thing. And if you do sign up for the, the club page, it gets you a discount. Mm -hmm. um, if you do decide you want to go check out Badass Beard Care and you decide you want to get a free sample because... Yeah. You might as well. You only have to pay like it's, three bucks for it, shipping and yeah, handling. Yeah, it's like two fifty, three bucks for shipping. Yeah. Um, if you do do that, put down Quinjerman, Q-U-I-N-N-J-E-R-M-E-N, -E -E two, four, six. Right. And that will also be in the link mm -hmm. if and you And that, that just helps keep track of where people are getting, where people are hearing about Badass Beard Care. Right. And so I'm trying to be a brand ambassador. Thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> fancy, fancy. Right. Well, so. I will do the same thing with uh, justkillingtime.org. Mm -hmm. And it's killing is K-I-L-L-I-N. No G. But, but they, they're still gangster as fuck. So, <laughs> so gangster. They're the best. And uh, they actually help make our logo. So mm -hmm. big shout out to them. They do true crime subscription boxes. Yes. Uh, I think 15th of every month is the cutoff. Okay. So for the next month. And 
and there's always original artwork. There's like shirts, mugs, all sorts of different things. Every box is different. You usually get some sweet stuff to read, some stickers. They have trading cards that they've made personally. So you want to collect those. Mm -hmm. And on the trading cards, it just has little information about whatever serial killer that they are covering. Right. Little fun facts. So if you're a total true crime geek, you definitely want to go and sign up for it completely worth it. You can try their misdemeanor, I think is what it's called, where it's like $13 right. just to see what's in the box. You want the box. You what's don't even need box, that. What's in the box, man? What's in the box? Awesome stuff is in the box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, today our lovely promo is from a dear friend, Kate, and her podcast, Ignorance Was Bliss. And my favorite episode is called The Other Hysteria, and it has her daughter, Emily, on there. She created a couple of artwork for us as well, which you guys will all be able to see in time. I'm waiting for specific episodes to put those out on. Mm-hmm. And some other cool stuff to mention real fast is that we also have a merch shop that we are working on right now. Yes. With T Republic. Yes. So once we get all of that, we will have that out for everybody as well. Hell yeah. And finally, we have just a little bit for our guess who or next week hey, wait hold on Tyler. oh wait Just what kidding. did i forget follow us on the social medias oh yeah come stalk us we're on twitter and facebook and instagram and patreon and patreon yep mm-hmm. patreon you get some bonus stuff sweet mm-hmm. stickers and all sorts of awesome right. things bonus content you can right. make fun of us yeah and and for our patreon folk we have things in the works yes, we have we things do. coming mm-hmm, mm-hmm. please bear with us they have been so patient and they so have. amazing they have and so we'll have to make it up to you mm-hmm. <laughs> for being awesome huge shout out again to sean and diane since they are like our little i don't know how to, what to call them our awesome sponsors anyways our highest tier they're just awesome oh well, yeah. yeah i mean duh duh <laughs> duh we actually got to hang out with them a couple weekends ago we sure as hell did and it was amazing it was a great time mm-hmm. yes okay so i guess who for next week do you want to read it no go ahead okay death is the ultimate stage of personal growth Life is an illusion, and the only escape is in a fiery death. These are the words from a great leader. A group founded on secrets and filled with only the elite of our human race, led by Jesus himself and a knight. They would gain a large following and after a time lead a mass suicide over multiple countries in in the 1990s. Who are they? What are we covering next week? Hmm. 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 Well. Until then, have a good week. See ya. Have a great Easter, by the way. Yes, happy Easter. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. Murder, obsession, addiction, panic, schizophrenia, mania, violence, survival. I'm Kate. As a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician, I was in the middle of a lot of those experiences. It was my job to come up with an explanation for how the hell did we get here and what happens next. And I'd like to share some of those stories with you. Just make sure that you're ready. Because sometimes after I'm done, you'll think, I felt better before I knew that. You can find Ignorance Was Bliss under IWB Podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.